Good morning, my friends, and welcome to yet another incredible installment of the program. From very high above all forms of puerile and insipid Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns at the Cowboy State Politics Northern Command Studio in Sheridan, Wyoming. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. On the radio yesterday, I was listening to Mark Levin, and he was lamenting the veritable lack of conservative media outlets. There's only so many of them, and they have a limited viewership, or readership, or however you want to put it. And it couldn't be more evident than in Wyoming. For the most part, the left owns the media in Wyoming. The Pravda on the Platte is owned by a Virginia company, Lee Enterprises. It's not rocket surgery to figure out that they are not fans of conservatives. Take, for instance, the cow pie. If you are a redcoat legislator like Barry Crago or Clark Stith or Albert Somers or Steve Harshman or Ogden Driscoll, you can be pretty sure that whatever you write, no matter the quality, will be put on the front page and it'll probably stay there for a day or two. In all fairness, they have published things from conservatives, but it's not an even balance. I suppose you could make the argument that they're just trying to be representative of the legislature as a whole. Since conservatives do not hold a majority in the Wyoming State Senate or in the House of Representatives, maybe they should have their viewpoints published less. I don't really buy that argument. I think you should focus on things that are actually true, like facts. In neither of the state's two largest media outlets, there's hardly ever even a hint of criticism of the liberals. Oh, excuse me, did I mean I meant to say the Wyoming left? I mean the Redcoats. I mean the Democrats. And specifically, the Democrats who can't spell. The Democrats who couldn't get elected otherwise, so they changed their party affiliation to Republican, and voila, they're in office. Yeah, those people. Certainly can't criticize them in any way. Then, of course, there's the conservatives. If you're in the media, why not criticize them? And they have to, because we conservatives operate in the arena of facts. Things that are true. Redcoats, on the other hand, view the truth as an obstacle to power. So they have to avoid it. And the plain and simple truth is that the things that are real don't line up with the agenda of the left. But there is a completely different set of ideas that lines up in lockstep with the motivations and beliefs of the Wyoming left. We see glimpses of it every once in a while. Elected officials donating to things like drag shows in their own community. Saying not a word when a drag queen story hour that invited young children to attend is held at a local community college and paid for with your tax dollars. A brief squirrel moment, if you will, as it relates to that guy, Representative Clark Stith. It has been 11 days since I accepted his debate challenge. Why has he not responded? Are there just some things that Clark Stith is just not prepared to answer for? Are there some questions that are just too difficult for good old Representative Stith? Or is it that he just doesn't want to debate and be held to things like facts? Anyway... 11 days and counting. On Weekend Update, I'm going to release the email that he sent me in regards to that debate. 
You guys are going to find it fascinating. Two days to go, old Clark old buddy, and then I'm going to release it. You might want to make a decision before then. I'm just saying. Okay, back on the ranch. Why is it that the Wyoming media almost refuses to cover things that are damaging to the left in Wyoming? Why won't they do that? You would think that any news is good news. A sensational story is a sensational story is a story. But evidently, not in Wyoming. Recently, there have been several stories statewide how the Wyoming Freedom Caucus called for the state of Wyoming, specifically the Wyoming State Library, to divest itself from the American Library Association. Columnist Rod Miller devoted his last two columns to bashing the Freedom Caucus. Basically, he said that they're an enemy to the very idea of intellectual freedom. So I thought we'd get the head guy at the Freedom Caucus to talk to us about it, Representative John Baer from Gillette. He spoke with me about the American Library Association and a curious little passage in the Wyoming Constitution, Article 7, Section 20. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll get to my discussion with Representative Baer. We'll get back to the program in just a second. But first, an absolutely obscene profit timeout. This installment of Cowboy State Politics is brought to you by Morton Buildings. They are the undeniable experts in metal building construction. It doesn't matter if you're looking at a garage or an outbuilding or a barn or maybe a roping arena or even a giant warehouse for your business. These guys have built it all. Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings are the two guys you need to talk to. Their phone number is 307-674-2532. They're the best at what they do, and they've been doing it longer than anybody else around. The truth is, you've probably seen their work as you've been traveling the highways and byways of Wyoming and not even known it, because their work stands the test of time. You'll receive a 50-year warranty on the foundation, which is something you're not going to get from any of their competitors. They stand behind their work, they're the best at what they do, and so if you've been thinking about a building for your property, give Nick and Jesse a call. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. Gunrunner Auctions is one of the nation's leading online auction houses, and they're celebrating their 24th year. Every month, beginning on the 7th, that's in five days, Scott and his team will post 500 fine firearms for sale. All of the auctions start at 20 bucks, and there's no reserve. They specialize in estate firearms, rare weapons that you're not going to find anywhere else, and certainly not at your local gun store. They also almost always have a wide variety of ammunition and accessories. So it doesn't matter what you're looking for, a gun or an accessory or ammunition, go to GunRunnerAuctions.com and you'll be sure to find exactly what you're looking for. That's Gunrunner Auctions. New episodes of the program are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And don't forget about the Thursday live episode that begins every Thursday at 10 a.m. You can find the link at CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. And now, back to the program.
On Monday evening, I had a chance to visit with Gillette Representative John Baer. He's also the chairman of the Wyoming Freedom Caucus. He's one of the guys that gets bashed by the Wyoming media more than anybody else. So I thought instead of just talking about the most recent controversy concerning the Freedom Caucus, I'd just talk to the head guy himself. Here's my conversation with Representative John Baer. Now you're going to notice that the audio from my microphone is a little jacked up. I'm still working out some of the bugs in the new studio, and I think I figured out what made that happen. But it was already recorded and couldn't redo it. So here you go. Please welcome back to the program, Representative and Chairman of the Wyoming Freedom Caucus, Campbell County Representative John Baer. Welcome back to the program, John. Thank you for having me, David. It's great to be on your show again. So recently, the Freedom Caucus called on the Wyoming State Library to, I guess, uh, divest itself from the American Library Association. Why exactly did you guys do that? Well, as you know, that this particular battle is near and dear to my heart, as my wife has been fighting this for over a year on the library board here in Campbell County. And our focus was the fact that the ALA is pushing the sexualization of children, which we all know that that's uh, not exactly helping the situation when it comes to human trafficking uh, and many other societal ills. And so that was our focus. But the uh, state of Montana just divested from the ALA for a bit of a different reason. And then there was an article in the uh, Cowboy State Daily where both our call for divestment and the governor's reaction to that were uh, publicized. And it stated that he was contemplating pulling out. And the governor's spokesman stated that he was contemplating that based on the leadership of the ALA and their political viewpoint, which means that he's thinking about it along the similar lines of what the state of Montana did. And I don't disagree with that. I think, uh, you know, they have elected a Marxist, an avowed Marxist as their president and CEO. And I I just believe that their actual actions display that they are interested in, in Marxist ideology. And that has no place in our society. Well, that and the American Library Association really hasn't been about libraries for quite some time since well, probably the 1970s, they've been focused on you know LGBTQ ideology and advocacy of it. The libraries in the state of Wyoming are instituted in our constitution. Our founders knew that it was important to have these resources, to have a well-educated society, and our republic depends on a well-educated society. So I would like to see our libraries, and the Freedom Caucus would like to see our libraries get back to that purpose. And the ALA is pushing them into more and more of an activist type of behavior rather than providing unbiased uh, information to the masses. And really, the existence of, of a lot of these pornographic books that, that I've mentioned on the program and that, that you and your wife have brought up uh, can be blamed squarely on the American Library Association. I mean, the, if you look at the recommended books on a lot of them are LGBT, what they call LGBTQ themed. Most normal people would look at them and say, well, the, these books are just absolutely pornographic. 
Where I'd like to go next, John, is columnist Rod Miller had a pointed response to your call for the governor to remove us from any interest with the American Library Association. Could you just talk to me, uh, you know, give, give me your reaction to that column? Well, rarely do I agree with Rod Miller, but the premise of his article is that this is a defining moment for the governor. And I would agree with that statement, although he believes the governor should make a, take a different route than I believe he should. Um, the, the bottom line is this is an opportunity for the governor to stand up for righteousness, for virtue, the very things that you know John Adams spoke about when he talked about our constitution. He said it was only made for a moral and religious people, and it's wholly inadequate for the government of any other. Morality and virtue are the foundation of our republic and necessary for a society to be free. And I could go on and on about why that's important and how freedom and liberty that we use to govern ourselves requires that we be a virtuous people so that we control ourselves. Um, the idea would be that you don't need the heavy hand of government. Uh, Rod Miller had a subsequent article come out today saying that we're inviting a heavy hand of government, which honestly, David, I find that uh, quite comical to hear Rod Miller talking about government being too large and we need to keep it under control. It's like he's he's moving to our side and I welcome him to do so. <laughs> but I don't think that's really what he means. Uh, he He chooses a smaller government when it suits him. Uh, really, the people of Campbell County have determined that we need to have virtue, we need to have self-constraint, and they've used the government, as far as the library board is concerned, to accomplish that. And when you're using the government to purchase your books, that's the appropriate entity to use to determine you're not going to purchase certain books. Um, I will correct something you said just a moment ago. I guess I don't mean to correct you. You're actually correct that a lot of the books that the ALA is pushing are LGBTQ+, but the library board here was really focused on sexuality and the sexualizing of children. And they actually found that the majority of the books that were objectionable were not LGBTQ. There, uh, certainly a good number of them were, but not all were. So this is really a just flat out about sexualizing children. Many of the, the scenes that are in these books, and they are caricatures, they're not caricatures, they're not uh, photographs, but still our obscenity laws include that. And so uh, many of those scenes and depictions are things that you would normally only have access behind the counter at some convenience store. And here we have them, you know, at the library and not only at the library but in the children's section i like to use the example of the magazine i don't know if they still make it but um there used to be a, a version of penthouse that came out i think it was penthouse it was called penthouse letters we don't see that book you know or uh, you know historical collections of that magazine and libraries do we no but i do believe that if you if you don't stand up for virtue that eventually you will see that in the library and my wife was explaining that during her research of this uh, and, and determining how to uh, work this out for our society and our culture here, she uh, discovered that the libraries had to uh, enact internet security on uh, their, their computers because all across the country they were having perverts come into the library 
get onto the internet and and do things in the library that were just um, vile. And so they eventually determined that, and the Supreme Court actually made the final determination that it is not uh, a violation of your First Amendment to put filters on the internet at the library. And that is the premise that the library board in Campbell County used to say that it's perfectly fine to determine that some books are not age appropriate. Now you bring up an interesting point, John, that that we have limits on on freedom. I mean, by definition, liberty is freedom with restraint. When we're talking about our republic, it's always in terms of liberty. Though, I mean, I think people tend to use the terms freedom and liberty interchangeably. But don't you agree, John, that we have to have limits on, you know, our freedoms, be it the First Amendment or the Fourth Amendment or or any of them? Yes, I do. And since you brought this point up, where my mind goes with this is the multitude of examples that I see of the Sololinsky behaviors of those that are promoting these uh, these books and and this kind of material in our libraries for children. And by Sololinsky, I mean his book, Rules for Radicals. And one of the things in that book is that you take the uh, morality or virtues of the other side and use it against them. And that's what this argument that, you know, we have liberty, we have freedom, so all things must be available to us. That's a Sololinsky move right there. And you're absolutely right. Uh, I love the picture that philosopher Oz Guinness put in one of his books where he called it the golden triangle when he was talking about the American constitution and our government and our freedom. The golden triangle in his book is this triangle that includes liberty on one point. The next point would be virtue or morality. And the third point is religious freedom. And every one of those things depends upon the other. And without all three, uh, the stool falls over, if you will, because to have freedom, you have to have virtue because you have to have self-control. Otherwise, some behavior that you're going to take based on your own freedom is going to hurt someone else unless you're virtuous and you keep yourself under control in that regard. And to have that kind of virtue and morality, you have to have religion. There is no other foundation for the kind of morality that's necessary to keep that freedom. So our founding fathers knew that and wove that into the Constitution in a masterful way. But again, the triangle continues. You can't have true free religion if you don't have the liberty uh, that you have in our Constitution. So if you look at the Constitution that we wrote for the country of Japan, mostly written by uh, General MacArthur uh, after the war, it was defined much like our own, and religious freedom is available in Japan. Now, fast forward to uh, Iraq, where we let the religious and uh, political leaders of that country write their own constitution, and that, of course, was mostly an Islamic-led country, there is no religious freedom in that constitution. And so you don't see in that country liberty, virtue, or religious freedom. 
And so they will never have the the kind of freedom that we have here. And I, I mentioned Saul Alinsky, and Saul Alinsky was a Marxist, and that's what he was trying to push. And all these things that are destructive to our family, to our morality, to our constitution, they really are trying to advance Marxism. And I believe that is, is really the, the root cause here. And I know that the people that are are doing it, I, I don't believe that they realize that they're unwittingly serving the Marxists that would love to destroy this country. That idea of Marxism, all we have to do is take it to its final conclusion and look at countries like Cuba or Venezuela or even the Soviet Union or China and look at the libraries they have and the kind of freedom that they have. Now, those of us who are trying to protect children and, and keep the sexualization of children out of the children's section of the library are accusing us of that kind of banning of books, if you will. And that's really not the case. We want intellectual freedom. We don't want our libraries being used as a bludgeon against us to advance this political activism of the left. You know, one thing that fascinates me about this debate, John, is when I was in high school, the conversation was over whether we should have the anarchist cookbook, or literally in Buffalo, there was a challenge to Romeo and Juliet and to Huckleberry Finn. You know, I mean, those are those are the classic, maybe not the anarchist cookbook, but Huckleberry Finn and Romeo and Juliet. Those are the classic examples. You know, perhaps an overzealous community wanted to remove all traces of um, sexuality from the school library or the county library. We're talking about something that's very, very different, aren't we? I mean, we're not talking about Huckleberry Finn and and Romeo and Juliet anymore, are we? No, I, I think our society's too far gone for those to be things that we could call a virtuous or, or unvirtuous type of book. In fact, that's part of the disinformation that's going on on the other side. I was told that someone in the crowd uh, on Friday was shown a list of books which included Charlotte's Web. And that was the list they were proposing that was being challenged. And that's not at all the case here. Uh, in fact, I think Claire McFarland with the uh, Cowboy State Daily has done a great job of illustrating exactly what's in the books that are being challenged. And uh, I, I encourage people to go and look at those if they think uh, that they they know but haven't seen the actual books that are being challenged. Uh, I think people that are on the, the side that want to protect children on this issue probably should have those on their phone just so that when people say, oh, you all are just burning books, they can open it up and say, do you think this is appropriate for children? Because I think it would be very exceptional, the people who would actually look at those and, and agree that that's appropriate for five, six, seven, eight-year-olds. Very interesting thing happened in Campbell County. And this was, oh man, this may have been a year, year and a half ago. But I remember a parent showing up at a county commissioner's meeting and opened up one of these books and proceeded to read it in front of the county commissioners. Now, of course, your county commission meetings are broadcast on basically public access TV. It's on the internet, but it's it's a public access channel. And they had to cut the feed when the parent was reading reading from this book because it wasn't appropriate to be broadcast. I mean, I, I find it amazing that people like Rod Miller, who, I mean, I, I'll i be honest with you, I think he's a pretty intelligent guy. I've had him on the program, but it, it's amazing to me that he's defending 
books that glorify pedophilia that um, there's one of them that's in Campbell County, or maybe it was in the Campbell County Library. I don't know if it still is, but it talks about incest and gives instructions on, you know, how to seduce your little brother. That one's gender queer. But, but it just amazes me that apparently these books are inappropriate to read to full-grown adults, and yet it's totally okay to have them in the library. Yeah, a similar situation happened in the Laramie County School Board meeting recently where one of the audience was wanting to read, and they were stopped read, from reading one of those books, which happens to be in the Laramie High School or Laramie County High School libraries. And they were told exactly that. That was in a violation of YouTube's criteria and that the video would not be accessible to the public if they read that book. That's pretty amazing considering some of the stuff that's on YouTube. Yeah, so we're saying that YouTube has higher standards than our own school and public libraries. There's a very interesting passage in the Wyoming Constitution. It's Article 7, Section 20. You know, a lot of people seem to laugh, or I've watched them laugh on the floor of the House of Representatives when, you know, some of some of your members of the Freedom Caucus have brought it up. But I was wondering if you could just take a minute and explain exactly what Article 7, Section 20 means. Well, I think it goes right back to the quote I gave you of John Adams. And what what it's getting to is the fact that virtuous society is important for freedom. And you can't really maintain it without that. And I'll just pull it up here if you'll give me just a moment. So it says, as the health and morality of the people are essential to their well-being and to the peace and permanence of the state, I think you and I would agree those are all things we'd like to have, it shall be the duty of the legislature to protect and promote these vital interests by such measures for the encouragement of temperance and virtue, and such restrictions upon vice and morality of every, and I'm sorry, immorality of every sort. So not just limited, but any kind of immorality, as are deemed necessary to the public welfare. So I, I suppose that that as are deemed necessary is the out that uh, those who would love to destroy our culture uh, would use. And that's why some laugh at the reading of that article uh, on the floor of the House. But the reality is our founders, when they put this into our Constitution, they completely understood what John Adams was speaking to, and many other of our founders have spoken to this very issue. And, and you know, we really need to get back to that if we're going to hold on to our republic. That's the bottom line. Students are not in possession of their full constitutional rights when they walk through the school doors. Of course, I'm paraphrasing a Supreme Court decision, but they're not. And yet we have people like Rod Miller's Rod Miller, Sarah Burlingame, Kathy Connolly used to be one of your colleagues in the legislature. They're saying that we should have a free-for-all, but shouldn't it be the parents' decision on what their children learn or what their children are exposed to inside the school? I believe it should, and the ALA is really the root cause of, of what we're seeing in those libraries, both in the schools and in the public libraries, because they are the source that librarians go to for their own training and for uh, suggestions on which books to procure. So that's the source of the problem is the ALA. But when we have people who are uh, 
left-leaning in our society, that's what they're going to gravitate to. Because it's easy to destroy the conservative culture if you just keep hammering away at uh, virtue and renaming things and redefining things so that they no longer mean what they used to so that you can uh, basically pull the wool over the eyes of our our people. Well, it's interesting. I was I was at the Sheridan Airport picking up my girlfriend. Oh, well, probably a month ago now, and there was there were some um, elderly people that were talking about this very thing. You know, I just listened for a while to them say, "Well, you know, it's just these people trying to ban books. It's the same as it has always been." And I walked over to him and I said, you know, I, I don't mean to, to eavesdrop on your conversation, but I did. And I'd like to show you something. And so I just pulled up Claire McFarland's article where it shows exactly what's in at least the book Gender Queer. And they were absolutely appalled. And John, I, I think that if you showed the content of any number of these books to the average, you know, Wyoming citizens, that they would be shocked that this is in our libraries. I, I do believe that. I really do. And I appreciate you having that on your phone and, and sharing it with those people because that's that's what breaks down the, the misinformation um, that's out there is just the truth. And we've got to keep sharing the truth. I wanted to sh- read something to you that the, the uh, State Freedom Caucus Network put out. They have done some research on the ALA and the foundation that did the research is the American Accountability Foundation. They have a complete report uh, if people would like to see that. And I'll send this email to you so that you can have the link to the full report. Yeah, I'll throw it up on the website. But I just want to read off a list of the things that they found um, that the ALA has been demonstrating. Uh, one, they've elected a self-proclaimed Marxist as its president. They awarded its James Madison Award to George Zoros. They've promoted drag queen story hours for children as young as toddlers. They promoted critical race theory. And I'll say this about critical race theory, David, here in the state of Wyoming, we really, as much as people tried to make the shepherd story about race, we don't have a race issue here. No, we don't. Uh, the, the people of, of Wyoming are open and welcoming, and it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It really matters the character of your heart. That's what people in Wyoming judge you by. Um, They also promoted sexual content to minors, conspired to prevent Christians from holding events in public libraries. They've supported radical and diverse, divisive diversity programs. They've pushed highly inappropriate and sexualized reading lists at libraries, and they pushed gender ideology content on minors. So there's just a list of the issues that that they're doing and and i know that you just recently had a a story about how they were holding training at the state library on how to defeat conservatives uh, absolutely in the legislature so uh not that i think that that's untoward i mean those somebody could go to that class and learn how to defeat a liberal i assume as well so uh it's just it just shows their hearts when uh the title is defeating conservatives one more story that i did that i want to bring up to you that i don't think that you and i've talked about before is during one of one of my undercover investigations into the uh, uh, drag show that was held in rock springs 
there was a drag queen story hour where children, minors, were invited that was held at the community college in Rock Springs. As a legislature, um, as, a, as a representative, how are you going to put a stop to that, John? We do control the purse strings, and um, that's what the legislature should do. But as you and I have discussed many times, uh, the conservatives are in the minority in the legislature and in the House, especially uh, even though, I should say, even though there's a supermajority of Republicans, there's a minority of conservatives that would restrict funding to the University of Wyoming. Uh, we have several examples of doing that over the past several years as far as the Freedom Caucus is concerned. Um, this last year, one of the efforts was to defund the gender studies uh, curriculum. And, uh, you know, that was soundly defeated, but it was a very lively debate about defunding uh, that particular the university, part of the university. And the argument that I made had to do with the Saddle Up program that uh, is presented to all freshmen coming in. And uh, there was just some disgusting things that happened that were brought to that that event by the gender studies uh or a school. So that stuff uh, just shouldn't be happening at a land grant university. And so um, hopefully we can get our colleagues to understand the, the egregiousness of, of that. But when one of your colleagues is part of the, the, the uh, sponsorship of such events, it's, it's hard to uh, believe that you could probably convince them not to uh, support the, the gender studies school at the university of Wyoming. Yeah, I think that that's a that's a pretty big lift there. But at the very least, I, I tried to reach out. Well, <laughs> a couple of people that I worked on to get some of these undercover investigations uh, reached out to the University of Wyoming to find out if they used public money to pay for the drag queen training that was held down there this past April. Usually when people refuse to answer a question, kind of means that you're right in that, yeah, they did use public money. But, you know, it's not just constrained to the University of Wyoming, John. You know, it absolutely proved that it happened at Rock Springs in Sher at Sheridan College. They had what they called uh, Sex Week. And that was held in the residence halls. So, I mean, this is happening across the state. And I, I really don't think that your quote unquote Republican colleagues in the House of Representatives can say that this doesn't happen in Wyoming anymore because we've got it on video now. Yeah, and we do appreciate that. David, it, it, every time we can expose and, and show the truth, it's very difficult to defeat that. So we appreciate that effort. Well, actually, today I just did an interview with Sheridan Media. While I didn't tell them exactly what I've got planned in the next couple of months, I've got a couple of more undercover investigations that, uh, well, they should they should turn out to be pretty revealing. So, you know, there's there's more to come on that front. Well, John, I appreciate you taking the time on a Monday evening to sit down and visit with me. One more item that I wanted to ask you about, um, and that is just pure and simple property taxes. There have been several op-eds that have been, and you and I talked about this a little bit the last time you were on the program, but they're trying to push this narrative that it was you guys that killed the uh, any property tax reform. And I'd just like you to reiterate for my listeners uh, whether or not that's actually true. It is absolutely not true. We had over 20 different bills, some of them good, some of them bad. Uh, and 
we passed two of those bills. And if you recall, the Speaker of the House and President of the Senate put out an op-ed at the end of session saying that we passed some meaningful uh, property tax reform. But it wasn't all that long ago that one of uh, the Uniparty members, Barry Crago, put out after being under attack for this very issue, not passing good uh, tax relief for the, the people and tax reform, he uh, diverted that to the Freedom Caucus and said, we were at fault for that. But I'll just say this, the simplest and most important tax reform that we could provide the people would be caps on the rate of increase of their property taxes. I think everybody can understand that and get behind that effort. And we made an effort three times, once in the previous interim and twice during the, the session to get a cap on the rate of increase of your property taxes so that each year it couldn't go up more than a certain percentage. And each time we were defeated because the bottom line is, David, we have 26 votes. There's 26 good conservatives in the House of Representatives, and there are five Democrats and 31 Republicans that vote otherwise. So that makes 36 to 26. And we're not going to kill much of anything with 26 votes. John, thank you again for spending your Monday evening with me. Um, I really appreciate it. And as you know, you're welcome on Cowboy State Politics anytime you like. Thank you very much, David. And you keep doing what you do. That'll do it for today's installment of the program. Have a good rest of your week, and we'll talk again tomorrow morning during the live program. Again, it begins at 10 a.m. You can get the link at CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. But until then, from the base of the Bighorns, at the Cowboy State Politics Northern Command Studio in Sheridan, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics. <laughs>